Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Episode 80 of the Keith Law Show. I will be joined today by Sam Izerski of the New York Times Puzzle Section. He is the mastermind behind the Spelling Bee, which has been one of our favorite pastimes, my wife and I, during the pandemic. And I have to credit her more. She was the one who got us completely hooked on it. And rare is the day when we don't uh, try to get to genius. At least I wouldn't say we get there all the time, but it is a bit of an obsession around here. For those of you who are subscribers to The Athletic, I have a couple of new pieces up since the last podcast. Uh, one, the big one, was my ranking of the top 50 free agents in baseball. Now, a few of those guys, since that was published, have had their options picked up. One even changed teams already. Andrew Heaney has signed a one-year contract with the Dodgers. Needless to say, I'm a big fan of that. If you read my write-up of Andrew Heaney, you'll see why. My write-ups of the 49 other free agents to be, many of them are free agents, but not all right now were available in that post, which went up on, as I look at my calendar here, I believe that went up on November 4th. And then this morning, it's November 9th as I'm speaking, I have a post on a pretty important MLB draft showcase event that took place last month. We just kind of held it until the, held the write-up until the playoffs were over. It is the Future Stars main event. It included a number of pretty high-profile players for next year's draft including Cameron Collier. Those of you old enough to remember Lou Collier, who's a bit of a journeyman fourth, fifth outfielder for a couple of years in the late 90s and early 2000s. His son is one of the best and one of the youngest prospects in next year's draft class. And there were a lot of really interesting arms on display and a lot of guys from Georgia. Turns out I'll be spending a lot of time in Georgia next year. Maybe I'll go do some canvassing while I'm not actually at games. Also, my board game reviews over at Paste, for those of you who are interested in that sort of thing, uh, are we've been going one a week, and we're going to do that, I think, through the holidays or through the end of the year. My most recent one is one of the best games I've played all year. It's called Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition. If you've played Terraforming Mars or if you've seen Terraforming Mars, that was a game about five years ago. It's one of the most acclaimed games I think that's ever come out, but it's big and it's heavy and it's probably two hours and it's really just kind of not for everybody. And I respect it. I think it's a tremendous game, but it's not my favorite. Well, this ver- this is a more compact version, uh, both in terms of box size and in how it plays. I think you could do it in under an hour. It's even got a good solo mode. It plays well with two players. It plays well with more. I'm a fan. So you can check out that review and all my board game reviews over at pacemagazine.com. And finally, with the holidays approaching, they're around the corner, aren't they? Hopefully you've started some of your holiday shopping. I've started mine already. We're also kind of having a family compact here to stop buying so much stuff. Sorry, no, it's not good to say that for the economy, but like we don't need more stuff. Nobody, none of us needs more stuff. But you need more books. You absolutely need more books. And I have two of them, Smart Baseball and The Inside Game. 
both of which are now out in paperback from William F. Morrow, Division of HarperCollins. You can find them everywhere I recommend. Go find an independent bookstore near you. They need your support. If you live somewhere where you don't have one, though, check out bookshop.org. That is a pretty good alternative. My guest today is Sam Izerski. If you don't know his name, you probably know his work. He is the digital puzzles editor for the New York Times. He is the dastardly mind behind the spelling bee, which has been a pretty major feature of pandemic life and post-pandemic life, if we can say that, in my household. You can follow him on Twitter at The Grid Kid. Sam, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Keith. It's, it is an absolute pleasure and a thrill to um, be talking with you right now. I'm really looking forward to this. So it is rare that I get to say this. People say, say the same thing to me, the opposite direction all the time. So now I'm going to ask you, how'd you get such a cool job? What career path led you to this particular job? I have been interested in crossword puzzles from and, and other word games for as long as I can remember. I um, on long car rides would draw up, you know, crossword like grids in crayon from the back seat, and they eventually blossomed into, you know, a love of solving crosswords in my teenage years, and mm-hmm. actually really getting semi serious at trying to make them and submit them to the Times. Um, after much trial and error and finding a mentor in the so-called cross world, um, I had my first puzzle published um, in the Times before I was a senior in high school. And um, to date, I've had over uh, 40 crosswords published in the Times and was all set to pursue um, engineering after graduating from college. But um, I'm grateful that the planets aligned and there was a nice opening in what just became this cool gig on the other side of the New York Times crossword and other games. Did you have certain crosswords you loved growing up? Because I asked because in my house, it was actually not my parents, my grandmother um, loved crosswords. She particularly, it's funny. I just wrote this in a newsletter a couple weeks ago. Yeah. She loved, she would get the star tabloid for the crossword. She swore it was her favorite crossword. It was also probably like exactly her speed. Sure. And I would go to her, her house and be like, why do you have this trash tabloid here? <laughs> she and her like 70 years smoking. I have it for the, it's for the crossword, <laughs> but she loved it. So what, there must've been certain ones you thought were good or maybe certain ones that you hated. Like I hated the USA today crossword. <laughs> Because it would be like this combination of too easy and weirdly esoteric questions. I'm like, who knows all those things, right? What is the intersection there? I couldn't find it. Honestly, the USA Today crossword is a new editor now as a guy my age has appeared. It's, it's actually, it's it's pretty good. Highly recommend. Um, but no, that, that's just a sidebar. Um, I'm from the DC area. So I actually, it was, um, my mom used to get the post crossword. And I was interested how I really got started. It's not like, I just knew all this trivia at, you know, eight years old. Like I was interested in the penny press kind of fill it in puzzles, which were like love at first sight. The story I like to tell is that I saw like this half completed fill it in puzzle in a magazine at a haircuttery and just kind of picked it up and was able to complete it, at least to the best of my elementary school knowledge. Um, so I, I was really, you know, super interested in these fill it in puzzles but started looking over my mom's shoulder, solving the um, solving the Washington Post uh, syndicated crossword, um, the cross energy syndicate, as it was called, and looking at like the Star Wars clues or the baseball clues. Um, even I knew, you know, Mel Ott then and he'd show up in every, once a week in the crossword 
And so slowly but surely, you know, you just pick up on these answers, like in similar clues, and you kind of have this word cloud in your head. And so slowly but surely, I started, you know, making off with the puzzle when my mom was done uh, solving it. And I just kind of be uh, whittling away at it myself. But the post puzzle, and then I dove into the times puzzle, which was, you know, the gold standard, the super tough Will Shorts edited puzzle was already a household name. And, you know, just just moved on from there, I guess. And you intersected with Shorts at, when you were in college? Yes. Do so, I have that story right? Yeah. So, so, um, so I, Will had already known who I was because I had just, you know, at this point, gratefully, like, had a few puzzles published in the Times, was on sort of his radar for not the only one, but a handful of younger constructors at the time. Um, Will actually, you know, by luck, I went to UVA. Um, mm-hmm. Will is a UVA law grad himself. I had met him at several crossword tournaments in the past, but he happened to be giving the keynote speech for the 2016 UVA law graduation. And on a whim, I just kind of meekly shot him an email and I was like, are you going to be in Charlottesville? I'd love to (laughs) say hi. And it was a total lie because I wasn't in Charlottesville. I was at (laughs) Northern Virginia, but I knew I was going to just hop in the car and drive a couple hours like uh, on a whim. Sure enough, he was like, oh, happy to. And so we ended up just talking puzzles and more. And that blossomed into, hey, if you ever want to come up and just see how, you know, the editing is done, like you're always welcome. That blossomed into an internship in the winter. And that blossomed into, you know, there, there was a real need for more um, hands on the crossword at the times. And Will, I guess, like saw something in me. And I was just really grateful to be doing this. So that's, that's where I am now. Will, so for folks who don't know Will Short's career, um, obviously he's been with the Times, I think, since I was in college now, mid early to mid-90s probably. 93 um, was his first book. There you go. There you which go. is, I think, before you were born? Oh, yes. Yes, sir. Okay, yes. Um, <laughs> you got it. But before that, he was with a very formative publication from my own youth, Games <laughs> Magazine, which yes. I loved as a kid. And I remember even when I was in college going to uh, – hunting around the very went to there were more newsstands in Harvard Square like would they have the new issue would they would I be able to grab it and like at one point I had a subscription that I didn't have a subscription because I went to college but of course I would still spend my money picking it up and going right to the pencil wise section I'm assuming you've seen at least some oh, of these yeah. the magazine's been in and out of I think it's back now but it's been in and out of uh, existence for quite some time but it was all the puzzles right I didn't care I was the type of kid who if it was a puzzle I was just interested and yep. I'm guessing you were kind of the same same here. cryptograms um, Newsday grow I grew up on Long Island so Newsday would have cryptograms every day um, they would do the acrostics which were kind of probably a little too easy but whatever it, it didn't matter right I was a kid if you put a puzzle in front of me I just had to do it it was like a compulsion at that point it's just like challenge accepted and I'm just going to not do anything else until the puzzle is done or I die of starvation or something like that boy do and- I know that feel <laughs> to this day Yep, but it was that it was that variety of puzzles too from games. It's like, oh, there's wait, there's more than just crosswords and and a cryptogram. There's a whole world of these things. I don't remember when I first saw a cryptic crossword. I, I'm good. Was going to ask if you're in, if you find those interesting, but like I love those, even though I, they're very hard and it's rare that I actually can sit long enough to fit. Like who has that time? <laughs> um, but they're awesome because they're just incredible feats of imagination too and they make me exercise my brain in a very different way um, and use kind of multiple different skills to solve and it was just when games magazine first when i first encountered it it was like oh my god there's this whole 
world out there that I didn't even realize because all you know my my universe at that point I'm I'm pre-internet Sam I'm a little uh, just a little bit older than you that sounds lovely but, yeah, honestly <laughs> yeah oh uh, yes it meant you know none of the cesspool of social media but also my puzzles experience was very limited to what was in Newsday for a yeah. while until I saw this magazine it was like oh damn it was like getting electricity for the first time and so there were certain puzzle other puzzle types that were in games that was wait oh no there's lots of these things. And there might be other people out there like me who like these. And I'm assuming, like, what was there? Was there a moment for you where that sort of came on when you saw a puzzle or encountered the community and said, oh, wait, there's dozens of us out there? Oh, a massive, earth shattering moment for me. I mean, I'd, I'd say in multiple tiers, actually. I'd say that was after, from my experience with the internet, that was digging around the internet enough to find, you know, this whole website of, aspiring or seasoned veteran crossword constructors out there, which is how I ended up learning the ropes myself. Note to all aspiring crossword constructors, there are mentors out there that want to help you get your puzzle published. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, grateful shout out to uh, shout out to my man, Victor Fleming, whom I uh, collaborated with um, for uh, I debuted on a Saturday. The themeless puzzles are my favorites. Um, so that was one moment is just recognizing like in this forum that like all these other people existed and were as ravenous as I was. And that it was okay for me to just have such a nerdy hobby as a you know freshman sophomore in high school, and mm -hmm. um, then actually ending up going to crossword tournaments or even just you know learning about more and more puzzles for people that have been immersed in this business for decades. You know, will included even you know seeing new games like seeing how people are latching onto a game like Spelling Bee. Like I'm I'm in awe myself. You know, with sincerest gratitude. But like, it's also like, I kind of, I get, you know, just latching onto this new community, just wanting to talk about this new hobby experience and all your thoughts and impassioned opinions about this fun new puzzle that all of a sudden you're realizing so many other people are doing. So, so let's talk a little bit about the spelling bee. Let's um, do it. Elephant in the room. That is your thing. Um, we, in fact, I even did for, you know, I was messaging sam on twitter over the weekend i got queen bee two days in a row and i was extremely pleased with myself which i'm sure people brag to you all the time i got queen bee and you're like yeah, yeah, yeah i made the puzzle as you think despite oh, what really? the internet says the queen bee is a very very rare achievement so if you were listening and have gotten queen bee at all shout outs to you you are an elite solver <laughs> it is the it, i've noticed like it's it is definitely i know this sounds obvious right but the smaller the solution set it is substantially easier, even though you might think, oh, there may be more obscure words to get there. Mm -hmm. it, it's just so much. I don't know if it's a mental thing for me, but to get to Queen Bee, it's like, hey, I only know. I know there's only 27 words to sure. I can do this, even though the ones with larger solution sets, there's more common words in there, too. So it's I don't think it's actually that much harder, but I definitely am much more. Maybe I'm just more motivated to try to get everyone. And when I say I am. I'm lying. My wife and I always do it together, right? <laughs> we log in. It's actually her account. This was her idea in the first place. Even last night, I was half asleep. I've got my eyes closed. She's still doing it. And just every few minutes, I'll be like, did you get... I'll say a word. I don't want to spoil anything from an old <laughs> sure. puzzle. Sure thing. And you know, half the time she'll be like, "I got it," and half the time she'll be like, "Damn, that was good." So, so anyway, I'm rambling now. Let's talk about the spelling bee. Where did it first come from? And when did you first realize? you had a hit. Yeah. I mean, it did not come from, I, I can take no credit whatsoever for the spelling bee or even its initial development. 
um, as a digital game. So Spelling Bee started, it was Will Short's brainchild. Surprise, surprise. Mm -hmm. Um, It came out, gosh, I really should have this year memorized by now. Either 2014 or 2015, it debuted in the Sunday Magazine as a special variety, small, one of a series of small bite-sized variety puzzles to accompany the Sunday crossword, and then the second Sunday larger puzzle, like an acrostic, for instance. Um, it still, to this day, appears in print in the Sunday magazine under the editorship of a guy named Frank Longo, um, whose puzzle we contract. He is, again, another seasoned vet in the puzzle world. Um, love Frank. Um, but so, you know, realizing the New York Times games team, which I joined in the fall of 2017, I graduated uh, from UVA in the spring, um, they were starting to develop, you know, digital games of which now there are four to accompany the main crossword and the mini crossword, which was such a, a, a free, a free success. Um, mm-hmm. So spelling bee was just like an instant. I was not privy to these meetings, but like spelling bee was, you know, the decision by the time they had got there, it was to be developed. And little did I know I had no, I just knew that there were some quote unquote projects in store for me that mm-hmm. I would be placed in the editor's chair and they'd be like, hey, do, do your thing, go to town, have fun. I'd solved spelling bee for years now in Frank's print stuff in, in the Sunday mm-hmm. magazine. So I knew how it worked, you know, Frank, especially like they really focused for the print experience on just listing the super common words in your answer set. And then if you find other words, they say in print, feel free to add them to your score. Obviously, <laughs> he chuckles. Uh, the digital spelling bee doesn't quite work that way. Nope. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, you don't actually, we, we can come back to this, but like before I start rambling, but you don't just want there to be some sort of unfiltered Scrabble dictionary in there, if you will, because then the word list would run wild. I mean, you think mm-hmm. about the things you see on a Scrabble board or playing with words or friends, or even if you pour in a Scrabble dictionary, you want the answer key to be comprised of words that, you know, solvers do or should, or perhaps might want to know or recognize. Um, So that was, you know, early philosophy, which has evolved for me over the, wow, actually to this day that we are recording right now, exactly three and a half years, um, the the digital spelling bee launch, May 9th of um, 2018. Um, And I did not know that it was going to be such a smashing success. I don't think anybody really knew to expect it to take off, especially as it did during the pandemic. But Mm -hmm. I think so many people are just enjoying how much of this bite-sized game it is that scratches the itches in their brain that they, you feel smarter than you think you should, even if you are not a word person or a puzzle Mm -hmm. person. And there's lots to talk about, you know, word list aside. Um, So yeah. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When I first saw it, my thought was, that's better Boggle. That is, but you know, it, but the, the, to me, the appeal of Boggle, I actually do not allow myself to play Boggle in any digital form because <laughs> I'll just play it again and again. It's yes. like, there's just the dopamine oh. hit. But great thing about Boggle is the time limit. The problems with Boggle are that it's kind of endless. And what I think really works about the spelling bee is that you do bound it. There is a limit. It's not every possible word, you know, all the esoterica that can show up in, like you said, in a Scrabble dictionary. I am actually kind of anti-Scrabble. Um, <laughs> because of that. Okay. Yeah, because of that. And because the way to be good at Scrabble is to memorize lots of word lists. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel like spelling beat, there's a few words I had to learn, Kalaloo, oh, that just keep showing up again and again. The dreaded Kalaloo. Kalaloo, yes. yes. I, well, I think you were on the chain with Mike Shore from the, you know, the from the, <laughs> the good place and- he mentioned a few, Nonillion was another uh, one, where you just have to know that's going to show favorite up. favorite number, of course. Absolutely. You know, we finally trained ourselves. And now it's a contest between my wife and I who spots some of those words <laughs> first, or the acai-acacia combo. That's a good one. That's my. That's the first blend or, or double whammy that I cite when I think of those like repetitive combos, or acai yep. and acacia. I feel like yes. they show up in every other word list I edit. They do, <laughs> right? It's certain, and I've, that's this is like a whole, spelling bee strategy could be kind of its own it, it, its own completely separate podcast. But I, to me, that the beauty of this is it's kind of finite. And I'll get you know to me that is a lot of what I like in games and puzzles in general, where it's like no 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 I need to know there's an end goal in sight, whether it's time or it is hey there's in in your case I think the beauty of it is you set multiple markers here. It's you know what I've got a friend who says if she gets too amazing she says that's great. That's a good day, and she did her job. Some people have to get to genius every day, <clears throat> and then some people are. I'm sure there are people out there who are like, "We're going for Queen Bee every day," and you don't get it every day, but that's that's the goal. And I think it's just it's not just the puzzle because, as you said, these this type of word game has been around for a while, but you've put structure around it that kind of cater that allows it to cater to multiple different audiences, regardless of your skill level with puzzles or with vocabulary. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's definitely, you know, part of the strategy is, you know, we want solvers of, you know, especially I've heard such lovely anecdotes over the years from solvers um, for whom English is not their first language. And they actually mm. use spelling bee as perhaps a tool to learn and recognize more words over and over again. And, you know, for, for perhaps that type of solver or just other solvers that are just dipping a toe into word games, your goal doesn't need to be to get to genius or this is the be all end all. You see if you can beat your high score, or reach a tier higher than you are used to reaching, you know, say if you're hitting the gym a few times and all of a sudden you can add a uh, five onto the, all of a sudden you can add 15 pounds onto the squat rack here. You're just, you're just moving up a level. Um, mm -hmm. but if you're, you know, you're an amazing or genius heavyweight, or if you're really gunning for that queen bee, if you're just, a, I feel like the, I hear from so many solvers that are just always, you know, a few words off each day from the queen, I feel a little guilty about that. You know, so many solvers clamor for just wanting to know the front facing queen bee score each day, but 
we really want that to be more of an Easter egg and not have, you know, solvers who are reaching genius feel that there's like something incomplete and they haven't made it there. Queens, Queens for you, if you are, if you are that much of a, um, if you are that much of a solving juggernaut, you're going to go find the queen. <laughs> um, right. There, there are multiple yes. sites out there for folks who don't oh, know. Exactly. I can link them. If people want to know there's, there's a couple of sites that we, there's one that we look at just cause it just gives you the bare bones, yes. right? It is. Here's what genius, here's what, um, total number of words. Um, so what you need for queen B and it breaks them down just by word length. And then there's William shuns where it's like, yes. he breaks down everything, absolutely everything, which is, that's when we're like, all right, we're at the end here. We need a little, <laughs> need a little push, a little, yeah, maybe a little steroids here to just get right over the finish line. Um, so one of the things I did want to talk to you about, and I've, you know, for folks, I'm not ambushing Sam here. I told him I was going to ask is this, this must be a constant feature of your life is what words are in and what words are out. And, you know, there are certain words like some of the ones we just mentioned, like Kalaloo, which for folks who don't know is a Caribbean vegetable dish. I did not know what that was until the spelling bee existed. And then I saw it in a grocery store. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, that's been there feel for better. years. I'm not just introducing something totally uh, out of left field. No, it was right there in a can. And I was like, oh, my, I actually took a picture of it and sent it to my <laughs> wife. And I was like, oh, my God, this is a real thing. Sam didn't just make it up. But then there are words like the one that always gets us is nori, N-O-R-I, the Japanese seaweed product, which probably lots of Americans have had, even if they don't know exactly what it's called. That's not in the B. So how do you go about the process of deciding what words get in, what words are out? And does that change over time? Yes, it absolutely does. Because, um, you know, there's a... I should, I should have answered that question a second. What really, cause these are all like, that's what I find so fascinating. And what I'm the most sympathetic to are all the challenges that arise. You know, the, the nature of this game is that somehow there are all these, what I wish solvers knew more is that it's a binary word list. It's a yes or a no, and there's no in between, but there are so, so many close line judge calls that, you know, for anybody's personal lexicon, or if anybody were to do the exact same research that I do, looking in dictionary to answer your question more concretely, I poke around and make sure this is a word that shows up in various dictionaries, like New Oxford American. Is it in Merriam-Webster? Is it in the, uh, it probably is in the unabridged Scrabble dictionary. I check, you know, I like to use Ngram as a tool, but not the be-all end-all because Ngram tends to skew a little um, academic-y and science-y. Um, it also doesn't catch, you know, buzzwords that people might be saying aloud more than that are written down in a Google search, or maybe, you know, haven't even been, I think I allow memed as in the past tense of to make a meme because I was like, you know, that's something that I hear so commonly in dialogue nowadays, but I believe that is yet to actually make it into Miriam Webster, meme, meme, memed or memeing, um, but mm -hmm. that just makes it over the hump. Um, it's really just a matter. It, it is, it is very arbitrary in its nature. And that is, you know, it's something I lament because I don't want this to be a game where solvers feel that it is just one person's experience or one person's up. Oh, this is good. And this is not good. But at the end of the day, you know, you, you have to draw whoever is editing the game has to draw a line somewhere and say, I'm not so sure about this one. My guiding question is what feels, I used to use the label common because, you know, it's just like, what's a common word? What's not common? But I don't actually think that's fair, especially with one person editing the puzzle because one person's part of their background or their culture or their everyday experiences might be another person's esoterica. 
Um, my guiding question is for a wide ranging audience, those who reach clean, those who reach solid, those who live here, those who live there, those who don't even live in the US, what feels fair for our widespread audience? And some things just missed the mark. I actually, whisper, whisper, actually went ahead and added Nori. So we'll ah! find it in the next time. Yeah, that was Excellent. a long time coming. Really? If you're asking me why did that not make it in versus why did Kalalu right off the bat? I'm not exactly sure. The, 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 the honest answer is I don't really know because you can stack up any sort of, I, I hear from solvers all the time, why this word, but not that word. And right. I look at each word individually and kind of, do, you know, I can use, you know, some sort of metric like, well, I allow this one. So maybe I should allow this one too, but not entirely sure. I think at the time, like, I think I'm just merely speculating. Don't take this as fact, but I think what must have happened is, you know, Nori might not have been listed in one of the major dictionaries. And so I was sure. like, there's also the question of what is a word that is firmly in the English language lexicon versus what is purely a loan word or a word that you would see written in a different language that you wouldn't quite call English. So that is a question that I am not a lexicographer. I don't feel good about, you know, making a finite answer on that. I'm just kind of using the tools at my disposal and saying, I think this one makes the cut, or I think I'm going to leave this one off, but I do want to hear what solvers have to say. And, you know, I'm always going to keep my eyes and ears out because there's no be all end all here. The word that people send me the most yes. when it's not, when they, when it's in the puzzle, but it's not accepted ah. is meeple. Because ah. which for folks who don't know, that's a board gaming word, uh, refers to the little man, a particular shape, especially it was first popu popularized in the game Carcassonne. And I just checked, it's not in Merriam-Webster. So apparently I need to fight them first and then I can come at you. Fight the dictionaries before you fight me. I am not <laughs> here sitting in some, my, my goal is not to be sitting in here in some torture with, yeah, a big rubber stamp, big that's thumbs right. down. I just, you know, I, I do just enough so that I think I can build a case. And hey, mm -hmm. you know, things absolutely slip through the cracks, including like actual common. I mean, what, just, just a couple weeks ago. Oh my goodness. I, I stayed off Twitter for a long time after um undaunted, clear open yes. sky here, you all. Like yep. it was, it, it was yep. a mere, like I, I got nothing. This was not a, a choice I stand by. It was every, right. you know, once in a while, you're going to make yeah. a mistake. We all do it. We all yeah. do it. I genuinely yeah. apologize if that marred, you know, your solving experience. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's just a matter. And I'm sure, you know, just be bewildered by that omission. That's not even a, how did you even think of that? It's like, that, that's just a word I use all the time. Um, yep. But, you know, you fix it for next time and it'll be in there next time those letters appear. And so, so to answer your second part, it is a constantly evolving experience because I do want solvers and not just the loudest solvers in the room to, to feel that they are being heard and listened, you know, because this game is ultimately shaped by what do I think my audience knows or what feels fair to offer my audience as a, Hey, this is a word in the word list. You know, it counts against your score. It's that much more. If, if you don't see it, it's that many points you won't have. And it also increases the total score of the game, but also it's that many points that you'll get if you do know it. So I want to be receptive to, you know, those experiences that solvers have, especially something close to the bone and, you know, we take it from there. I will defend you, by the way. I think errors of omission. As somebody who makes a lot of lists yeah. for both my day job and for my own personal blog, and now some of my freelance game writing too, the, the omission errors are the easiest ones to make. And it's just, 
I remember a couple of years ago, I did my top 100 board game list that I do every November, which I need to be doing like very soon. It's actually <laughs> November. Looking forward Looks to it. Looks up at the calendar like, oh, damn, thank you. Um, and somebody's like, where's Terraforming Mars, which had just come out that year. But because of where it had been in the calendar, like I keep all kinds of lists and spreadsheets sure. around for doing this. And it just went, like you said, just right through the cracks. It was like, oh my God, I can't believe I left that game off. And it's, and also it's a game that I recognize its greatness but it's not one of my personal favorites. So it was sure. a little easier to, to omit. But anyway, I do this with prospects occasionally too, where it's, you know, hopefully those never make it to print, but sometimes my editors will catch and be like, did you mean to leave off so-and-so? And I'm like, oh my God, like I want to go crawl under the bed and just hide for a few days. So I'm defending, I will defend you on this. The errors of omission. I was glad you left ones. off Verlander. Overrated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually very surprised to see there was a report that there were 15 to 17 teams interested already. And I'm like, I mean, nothing against him, obviously. It's 39, right? It's 39, barely pitched, coming off Tommy John, um, huge mileage. He's a Hall of Famer, obviously. It's not, you know, I tried to make take pains to distinguish, but, you know, with Kershaw, too. I'm not saying these guys stink, just their value right now going forward is different than what you think of them as these juggernauts. It's for yep. him, Scherzer, Kershaw, Granke, Verlander, all Hall of Famers who are free agents this offseason. But none of these guys are peak Scherzer, peak Kershaw. And, you know, I think lots of people have a hard time distinguishing the two. I'd take any of them in an Orioles jersey, though, for sheer, ah. for sheer delight. It, it's, it's, it's been a rough couple of years, actually many years. It would be great. I have no expectation that they'll do this. It'd be pretty fun if they signed a good starting pitcher like that and said, hey, yep, we're not going to win, but come finish your year, your career here with a little bit, maybe just low pressure and work with some kid, work with some young players. You know, Grayson Rodriguez will come up, come mentor him for us. I don't know that that's much of a sales pitch, but I think it'd be pretty fun if they tried. Good enough for me. <laughs> I'll go to some games. My goodness. Uh, so the last thing I wanted to ask yes. you was other games puzzles obviously you know that i do board game yes. writing i don't know if you're a video gamer like what non spelling bee what non-word game things do you also like because i my expectation is um we're at least cut from that same cloth where it's like if it's a puzzle if it's a brain game of some sort you're probably interested absolutely oh my gosh i'm like you know tempted to look around my apartment here um one game over these past few years that i have gotten so into or not even gotten so into because you can only play it actually a finite number of times, but that I highly recommend because it's so well-crafted. It's this mm -hmm. game called, it's this board game called Sherlock. And mm -hmm. it's, if, if, if you're familiar with it, I, I, I assume you are like, it's just this whole, you are basically, there are just like nine written mysteries, you know, they're each like numbered, like depending on which at, which route you go down, you bounce around, like, go to the library and then you have to read the little blurb. If you've gone to the library that says you've talked to this person and mm -hmm. this person said that. And so now you must go inspect the back alley where you talk to this person. Then you have a digest at the end where you're asked eight questions. Who committed the crime? What was this person's deep, dark secret? Um, what did Sherlock find behind the painting in the bedroom? And it's, it's, it's just so, I, I like puzzles where I can, or puzzles and games for, you know, where I can tell that they're not just fun to play, but there's so much ingenuity in the craft behind them. I cannot imagine how meticulously crafted this game was to create. 
Um, again, there are only like, I think like eight or nine mysteries total in my pack and four of them I've solved already. So I can't really play those again, unless I'm just sitting right. out and watching other people. But each time they've just been fascinating. Is this the, it's Sherlock Holmes consulting detective? Yes, that's the one. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. That's I, the I, one. I, yep. just called yep. it Sherlock. I, I knew there was a lot. absolutely name. know this yes. game. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And there are, there are uh, for folks who don't know, it came out about four or five years ago. Yep. And the base game had six cases and there are at least four more in a second uh packet um and there are probably other expansions i don't even know about yeah. but i actually i love i don't love that game specifically but i love that genre of games where like i'm fine with games i can play a finite number of times i like the exit games where it's you know escape room in a box oh. and you have to just so- solve a series of puzzles but you can only play it once because you actually destroy the game yes while you play it and my daughter and i especially if we have a lazy you know, Sunday afternoon, which she has fewer of now that she's a high school student. But sometimes she'll just she'll actually just pop down and say, "Can we play an exit game?" And I'm like, "Sure, let's go." Love it, right? And it's ridiculous. And we will also the beauty of those games is you can complain to each other like that was stupid or that was too hard or that was too easy. Occasionally, it's it's too easy. But there's a couple of those where we're like, "That was impossible." Nobody gets that. Obviously, some people got it. I'm sure they play tested the thing. But we can comfort each other by saying, "Well, if we didn't get it, it's clearly too hard." Exactly. Oh, that that's that's what I say too. If I'm ever frustrated, I'm just like, "This wasn't edited properly. We should have had this <laughs> clean up. I could have done." No. <laughs> it's just always it's it, all all in good fun. Um. Otherwise, let's see. I I'm like. I'm not really like truth be told to you, like what I do for fun when I am not working on my own crosswords or editing in my day job. I'm, I'm, I'm a total sports junkie. I'm just kicking back. I'm reading articles. I'm reading the athletic, you know, I'm watching football and baseball and basketball. And, um, but (laughs) to that end, I do have, I I grew up on baseball video games. I still, whenever one of my dear friends comes to visit, I break out the Nintendo Wii. And I put in the Mario um, Superstar Baseball with my GameCube controllers, and we we play we play slugs as we say. And mm-hmm. I still have my team with Birdo and Yoshi, and I run run back these. So I love those kind. Of, I'm 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 a big Mario homer, honestly. I'll I'll play Smash and Kart with whoever, really, even though I'm terrible, honestly. Oh yeah, my daughter got a Switch, and oh, yeah, I love Mario Kart. I've never been good at it. I've played Mario Kart in various forms. I refuse to buy one of those systems for myself. <laughs> I, I have zero willpower um, when it comes to video games, especially. But my uh, ex-wife's cousin was super into it, and he would all if I came over, he was much younger, and every time I came over, he's like, want to play Cars? And I was like, yes, of course I will play Mario Kart. Like, I'm just being the good cousin, right? Actually, I just want to play. <laughs> And I'm consistently terrible at it. Don't care. We'll play it forever. It's I think so that game is, fun. it just hits something very primal, right? It's, and it's, and again, it's finite. The sad thing is that the primal thing for me might be trash talk. Oh, sure. <laughs> I, love, I love just going like, yo, take that banana or whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I, my daughter and I will trash talk each other constantly. I, Absolutely. I, I am a competitor, even though I know sometimes I just lay an absolute egg. So. Yes. As speaking as a parent, which I know you're not yet, but as, as a parent, it is great when your child gets to the age where you can trash talk them yes. and they know they understand enough to give it back. To you. <laughs> and it's suddenly, wait, did you just throw a bomb at me? And then they <laughs> exactly, <just> go, <laughs> exactly. Yep. Excellent. Well, my guest today has been Sam Azerski of the New York Times. He's the digital puzzles editor there. You can and should follow him on Twitter at The Grid Kid. And if you have not played the spelling bee on the New York Times it does require a New York Times uh, game subscription 
but I highly recommend it. It is a it has become a key part of pandemic and post-pandemic life in my household. Sam, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Keith. It's been a pleasure. That's all for the show this week. I will be back in two weeks. Uh, so that's leading right up to Thanksgiving. We'll have another show. And we're going to try to go every other week throughout the postseason. We will see how the postseason, uh, sorry, not the postseason, through the offseason. We will see how the offseason unfurls too. Maybe there'll be a few more shows because there won't be baseball to talk about. Maybe not. It kind of depends on how busy I am. Thank you so much for listening. And by the way, if you know somebody who you think might enjoy the show, who shares some of the kind of Catholic interests that I have, please recommend it to the, to a friend. Send them a link to the show on The Athletic. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can subscribe on Spotify. But spread the word. We really appreciate it. Thanks. Stay safe, everyone.